Good evening. Welcome to Pushing Boundaries with T and A. I'm T. And I'm A. And we We're are here pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. Yeah. About all things sex, relationships, love, orgasm, everything. And tonight... Orgasms! <laughs> and tonight we're talking with Veronica, May, Veronica Monet, who I'm a huge fan of her work. Uh, she's a former escort, and she was on a show before with us talking about female ejaculation and how to channel your anger positively in relationships. You can check that in our archives. Um, but tonight... We're talking about her journey through the sex industry. She was in the sex industry for 14 years as a really high-end escort. And um, I heard it's just fascinating. Her story is fascinating. And she... Yeah, and yeah, I... Go ahead. Uh, I just find, um, you know, she has kindly condensed all of her knowledge into this she, book. She wrote where, a book called Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a Pro. Right, where now I don't have to go out and, and do this kind of work for 14 years. <laughs> I can read it and be like, wow, I learned so much. I know, but the beautiful thing too is that there's, there, yes, there's wonderful sex tips, but it's not just sex, which I think is so beautiful. It's so, it's very, very deep and she gets to the real heart no, and, and core I think of sensuality and by sexuality. Learn, yeah, by learning about it, exactly. This learning about sensuality and having like a better grasp and confidence in your own sexuality. Yeah. I think not feeling, yeah, not feeling so out of control, kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna go in and do this. I mean, there's so much to learn about sex. Yes, uh, you know, just a couple of things. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's incredibly, it's incredibly <laughs> dynamic, and there's a depth that I feel it's as complicated as you know, flying an airplane. You, you can go as far as you want in it, and uh, and the more you do, the less likely you are to crash. <laughs> true. True. And I love, she, she went through a real journey of empowerment through this work. And I think uh, I'm excited to share her story with everybody um, because it's not something that you really hear about from this line of work. I think there's a lot of judgment and stereotype around, you know, what the sex industry is like. And so I'm really excited to show that uh, it's not all yeah. like that. <laughs> I also come from a place where... Like, when I was younger, I definitely had this idea of, like, porn is wrong, yeah. like, you know, prostitution, like, you know, just all these very aggressive ideas where you just go, no, I don't even want to talk about it. It's right. wrong. Right. And it's somewhere in between, and there are positives and negatives, and it's all very complicated. But I, I like to hear, you know, about – exactly, like, she's come from this place where she was empowered, but also um, <laughs> learned a lot through it. I don't know. So it's it's all – all very interesting. I know. And that's funny that you mentioned the, um, you know, the judgment that you had. And I think like we're very, we're pretty open people, I think. Yeah. I mean, our show is based on it, mm -hmm. but, um, but there are, there are still these judgments and I agree with you. I was the same way. Like I, you, I, there's just this innate programming in you that, you know, you hold your sexuality close to you mm -hmm. and it's a card that you only play on certain occasions with the right person in the right circumstance and all everything has to be lined up perfectly in order for you to go there. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because I just came from a festival, which is why I sound like a drag queen <laughs> uh, <laughs> where I was talking lots and partying. Just proof that you had a really good time. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> but I have to say that, um, this was maybe one of the first festival events I've been to where I spoke very openly about our, our podcast and, you know, kind of, it would just come up and I started Wearing your vibrator necklace. I was wearing my vibrator on your, necklace. On your neck. Yeah. And a number of men at the go, oh, what is this? One guy grabbed it and I said, it's a vibrator. And I showed him. But I found that um, 
a lot of them did become excited in a way that I probably received more sexual invites, <laughs> uh, sex invites for the evening than I had in a long time, like all at the same time from like 10 different men. Now I'm just, you know, still processing that. And I'm interested to hear Veronica talk a bit about that as well. Like, you know, can you talk about sex in a way that you know, doesn't immediately indicate an invitation or... Right. That's true. That's a good point. And it was just... Yeah. And I feel I was approaching it in a more objective way. I said, yeah, well, this is it. And, you know, I guess they got a flavor of my personality, obviously. Well, it's interesting because... they were like, oh, I like this chick. Right, exactly. And like, so remember, um, I don't know, so there was an episode a few weeks ago over Christmas where uh, I was talking about my experience winning the dildo pillow at the Christmas party. And it was the same thing, like... Like it was, it was an elephant party, so you got to steal the gifts at the end, and so I, I stole the dildo pillow because I wanted <laughs> to explore that damn thing because it looked really interesting. Every single straight guy at the end of the party was like fascinated and intrigued, and I'm like, and why? You up sniffing around? Well, but I was curious, and I was like, why? You know, why is it so? Because because I it shows that I want to have sex, and they were like, no, there's just something like so hot about a woman who knows her sexuality. And claims it and owns it. Well, maybe because it's so and rarely boldly stated, it was like shocking. So then they all come like a you know moths to a light. Exactly. <laughs> and I think this is what why all these men like <laughs> paid Veronica's you know all this money for uh, you know this kind of power. So this is what we get to talk about. Yeah. What's your what are your other thoughts? Any other thoughts on? Oh no, I had one as well about uh, so still even at this festival. Oh yeah. Um, it was just wait. I what were you saying about? You well, went the dildo pillow. Yeah. And then my, yeah, talking about wearing the vibrator on getting, my neck, all this stuff. Uh, it just, yeah, it caused like fanfare. Fanfare, right. <laughs> I know. It's fun, though. It's, but it, it does make, yeah, I know. Well, well, it made me wonder, you know, is there a time and place that you're supposed to kind of edit it? I mean, there were also people who were very excited to listen to the podcast for educational reasons. Right. I feel like I wasn't making any sort of sexual advances in my discussion about it. Yeah, like well, I was very, very contained. Spoke about it in a rather, you know, sober and intellectual way. Right. Well, um. I think I think men, <laughs> men are sweet. They're fun, and I think they just respond. It's like, ooh, fun. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it was kind of just a funny, cool thing to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or observe. Uh, anyway, yeah. But we're what? Are, what else are your What are your other thoughts on the sex industry or escorting for or, me? Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody? Who's, uh, do you know any men who have participated or women, like on either end? Well, you bring up a point. I knew, I knew one person and then I also, um, yeah, I have male friends that have, uh, visited prostitutes, this kind of thing. I mean, I have to say that I feel like there is a lot of ignorance on men's end as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I, 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 I am sensitive to the complexity of it. I mean, I think it's, there is definitely a higher end escorting where, um, I am fascinated to hear about kind of the insights that you're able to learn from that. And then of course there are the, you know, abuses and things that happen on a, on a different level. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that, that make me nervous about it. And I wish that men were kind of just more aware of like women's situations. And to like not, not feed the, the, like the bad part of the industry, you mean? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I know it's a hot topic now, which is, you know, all these, sex rights for the girls who are, you know, for the providers yeah. and sex trafficking is a big thing right now. And, and so I agree. Those are not, those are all issues. And yes, they do come from selling sex, but there's issues in every market. It's just, you're dealing with the human body here. So it's a little, it's very close to home. You know, there's no separation. 
There's not like, it's not like money that's being abused or whatever. It's human bodies and people. And so, yeah, so I, I guess I'm just saying that, yes, there are downsides to every industry. And I think that... That's a different show. That's a different show. <laughs> different but episode. I, right. But I think that it, that darkness, perhaps intentionally, gets forced upon the whole industry. Right. And I, I just get wary of that. Um, so, I don't know. I, I guess my experience... You know, my brother... It's funny. I was just having a conversation with my brother over the weekend. Oh, no. Sorry. Over Christmas. And he... Uh, he totally participates in, um, he hires prostitutes whenever he can. He, and wow. he was going off telling wow. me, he and was you... like, he was telling me, he's like, I love it. I love, these women are amazing. I love them. I love seeing them. I love it. So, you know, it's like, I get, I can be completely free with them. I can do things that I want to do. I'm, there's no Judgment. box that yeah. I need to, like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, you know, I, you know, like I can be very free and, enjoy what I want to do and enjoy these women who are open to, you know, and enjoying sex themselves. And it's just more that it's not constricted, you know, Fascinating. Like, I just, I love it. I love it. Well, the other <laughs> thing that I, that I think you hit on something, which is that freedom. And I, I would love to actually see more equality in the sex industry, which would be more male workers for women. Right. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. This is always on my mind where I, I go, I, it, I think the lopsidedness is a real issue. But the, but the question is why don't women, is it, we, is it that women, we don't think like, People would say, I think the stereotype would go that, well, women just don't want sex as much. So right. we don't, you yeah. know, or we need connection. So right. that kind of casual thing doesn't exist. But I wonder, I wonder I if it's just a that. bunch of blocks. It's a bunch of blocks in my you opinion. Know? It's a bunch of blocks and it's economic disparity. Yeah. I do know that I have a lot of male friends who would jump in a second to be a male provider in a very loving and sweet way. All they want to do is provide women a really beautiful experience. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm curious about the whole, I'm curious about the whole thing. It's, it's fascinating to me. I love to talk about it because I think there's lots of misunderstandings. And so, and well, so you had, you had a, you went to the sexological body worker. Oh, oh, I did. That's our, you know, that was our guest on the show as well. And you had a really yeah, profound did. experience, which I feel his job is not quite in that line of just it's pleasure not. entertainment. It's, it's something more in, yeah. medicinal in my opinion. It, it, completely therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally different, and I'll, I guess I'll, I'll talk about it briefly, just because it's fascinating. But also to differentiate, he um, so Diego Walruff was a guest. He's been a guest a couple times on our shows. Um, check him out in the archives, and he it was amazing. I had no idea what to expect. I was actually very terrified and nervous. Oh, yeah. I'm terrified. I'm I'm gonna go. I just I'm terrified. I had no <laughs> idea what to expect. I was just I knew that it was something. I felt like it was something I needed to do for some reason. I didn't know exactly why. Um, I knew that there were, I, of course, everyone I think has sexual issues here and there. I, and I was curious about exploring and seeing what came up. So he does a pelvic release. He That's does. So called. basically what happens, I mean, it was this wonderful two hour session. An hour of it was just spent with normal massage and very sensual stuff. Like really, really spending the time getting my body, your body warmed up, so to speak. Like a lot of foreplay. I suppose. Like very, <laughs> very mild arousal. Okay. Um, and then he explained to me that there's, I think it's the number is 27 or so muscles and tendons that attach in the pelvic floor. Oh. And he's like, we hold so much tension and emotion in these. And just like any other part of the body, it's help. It's beneficial to release them, you know, and to release the tension that is there. So he does a, there's a, in this kind of work, you do a three, he inserts the fingers into the vagina at some point 
um, if you're ready, and does turns his hand in 360 degrees within the vagina and is able to push on all these different areas and release all this tension. Oh my God. What I, a genius. I bawled for half an hour. Like wow. just uncontrollably, all this stuff just moved out of me. And I'm sure he's, he's accustomed to that kind of reaction. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he seems to handle it well. <laughs> bawling, orgasming mess on his table. <laughs> But I have to tell you, you know, I was telling my hairdresser this the other day, and she was appalled because she, she's like 25, very conservative, totally in love with her boyfriend, and all, like marching down yeah, the aisle. Ideas, yeah. And I'm like wearing my vibrator necklace, telling her about my sexological <laughs> body session. She's like, I love when you come to see me. Anyway, she was fascinated by it, but um, she was really, she was like, I, I would totally want to do that, but my boyfriend, I don't think he would let me, A, and B, um, like, is it okay? Like, what do you, do you feel like you want to have sex with them? Are you like turned on? Like, what is it like? But I have to tell you, it wasn't like that at all. Yes, I felt aroused, but I didn't feel like it wasn't a sharing it, experience. Well, he was there and he was very tender and he was there. I didn't ignore him, but it wasn't my sexual stuff at this session. Maybe that will be different down the road. I don't know. But this time it it wasn't directed at him. It wasn't like, I want to... It was just a release. It was actually this focused yeah. event on just what you're saying about a, a, about a, a release on the muscles. He was a facilitator muscles. and a healer, for sure. And although, even though I was aroused again and I, sexual energy was running through me, it wasn't complete it wasn't totally focused on him it was I, strange there's nothing I've ever I've never felt anything like that but I was having a chat with someone the other day about how even I don't know what maybe 20 years ago you know massage for the average housewife or giving it as gifts to people was very weird like that was you know I mean it's this intimate thing I mean it was associated with sure happy endings whatever right, like right, you right. didn't go get massages and women certainly didn't have that you know it wasn't like interesting yeah. bartered so freely and it's and that was really a, a slow shift you're right. I hadn't thought about society that. as well. Yeah. And so now a housewife in wherever can be like, I'm going to get a massage. But, you know, but there's a line drawn. You don't right. touch that area. But it's still a form of, you could say it's arousal as well. It's stimulation. It's all these things it that seems so would awkward. be great when you're having sex. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, there, but it's a separate intention. Yes, it is a completely different intention. That's true. And it, to me, as he was, we were going through the session, it seemed so natural to include my genitals. In the whole conversation with my body and the, all the energy flow and every like the muscle relaxation and everything that was going on, it seemed awkward to not. And I was right. like, "Wow, this should just be standard." And after, yeah, that session was so amazing. I'm like, "This should be standard healthcare for every woman," because I felt so much weird stuff was coming, just like shame, self hatred over the years. Uh, giving my power over to men in the bedroom, not speaking my voice, all this stuff. Not logically, it would just rushed through me and I could tap into the feeling of where it was coming from. Wow. And I'm like, it, and, and again, I'm, you know, I come from a pretty normal background. Like it, I, you know, I wasn't abused or anything. So if sure. I have these issues and I'm carrying these things inside of me, I'm sure everybody, you know, right, right. must have something for sure. It, it should be standard healthcare for every female. Yeah. And getting her power back. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So I, you know, I'll continue my journey with Diego and I'll report back, but <laughs> it was absolutely, sharing. absolutely wonderful. And um, if you want his, um, his, his website is a touch from the heart.com. Yeah. Anyway, but tonight, tonight <laughs> we're talking with Veronica Monet and I, I, again, I brought that up cause that's the closest thing I guess to a male sex. I wouldn't really, it's not even the same. It's different. It's totally well, and different, I think there are, there are male sex providers that offer things like 
more in line of being, I think, I, I would call it like entertainment and pleasure. I mean, I did have the thought as yeah. I was on the table. I'm like, oh my God, if this is so healing right now, like I can't imagine what having sex with a man like super tuned in in this space, you know, like with this healing attention, what having sex like that would be like as a provider, like not as my boyfriend partner, but as a provider. I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know. Anyway, so I would like to see, maybe there's room for it in the market anyway. There is. There is definitely. And I will feel like the world is equal when that starts to happen. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's equality. So does that mean that we're starting a brothel for? Yeah, probably. (laughs) That's our next business model after we merchandise some things. I would, I mean, we would rock that. We would rock that. Okay. Question though. Um, I think where, you know, I don't want to get the country wrong, but um, there currently is it Sweden? Yeah, is it Sweden where they've seen a sharp decline in prostitution? And there's this idea of of actually um, ending, yeah, ending the the blaming of the women, but also um, I don't know if it was like arresting the Johns, but basically the ability of eradicating prostitution, which the idea has always been that you can't, right? Right. And the question is, do you even need to? But but the idea is that these abuses end. I would think that there's still room for that kind of entertainment and sexual exploration without these other abuses happening. I right? hope so. I a think it's shoring those up, but still allowing fun. Fun. <laughs> She's tapping Veronica's book. <laughs> <laughs> fun with a smile. I, I I certainly hope. I T. I hope. I hope. I hope that there is that that happens in our society. I think it just takes such responsibility on so many people on the John's part and the provider's part. But anyway, we can get into that. But I want to bring on and introduce Veronica. Um, she's the author of Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a Pro, and it's so much more than that. Um, her work, you can check out at theshamefreezone.com. Um, so, it's a guidebook for life. Yes. <laughs> Veronica, are you there? I am. What a fascinating dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> what do you? I mean, it's so fun to talk about all this stuff. <laughs> well, you know, I, I it's funny the sexological body work. Um, I was sitting next to Joseph Kramer when he announced that he was going to start that. Um, really? And I told him, Joseph, you're going to go to jail. You can't teach people how to touch vaginas and penises. <laughs> And really? he said, no, I'm going to turn it into a degree in the state of California. And by God, he did. Oh, my yeah. God. So he, so he's the founder of this work, right? Because there's an institute, right? Well, that's the institute that, are, that Diego it, studied at. It is. It's, it's actually a, a bona fide degree. You go to school and you touch penises and vaginas in order to get your degree. So, Gee, what are we doing? We need- <laughs> well, it's just brilliant, really. I mean, and you're right. It, I mean, how has he avoided those kinds of arrests? I mean, well, I don't know. We should follow well, up with him. Well, for him, see, he got the state of California to certify it as a degree. But one of the things that is interesting about the law is the law doesn't always agree with itself. So you've got vice cops who would still arrest a sexological body worker for an act of prostitution, but you have the state of California verifying that it's illegal certification. So there's a lot of people who have obtained that certification who have had to find creative ways to actually use it professionally. Interesting. Right. Jump through the legal loopholes. Yeah, Very well, it, or they just fly under the wire and right. don't, you know, I, I, I guess um, there's a way in which if it's a therapeutic, I, I have this 
joke. I said, the difference between a massage therapist and an escort is high heels and lipstick. <laughs> every, every woman, and it is a sexist advice, it's very, very sexist um, and homophobic, too. So um, vice police will go after um, anybody who gets um, a license as a massage therapist. They, they usually will go in when they first open up for business um, and see if there's anything going on besides a quote-unquote straight massage. And if they were to walk in and find a certain kind of lighting and a certain kind of sheets and a certain kind of clothing on that massage therapist, they'd probably cart her off to jail, even if she didn't do a quote-unquote act of furtherance. Wow. So um, my messed. joke is you don't go to jail if you wear, you know, a kind of a plain smock and flat <laughs> shoes and no makeup. <laughs> Um, right. Right. <laughs> you can still perform such tasks. You can still touch penises and vaginas. <laughs> That's yeah. nice. Well, I have no, to say, not so much. Well, but, I was, uh, see, most most of the women who get arrested for prostitution haven't touched any penises either. Um, they just they get arrested because they had an ad online and and they've got a sexy wardrobe. Huh. And that and that's that's the fact of the matter. Because and how do I know that? Because I got arrested and I didn't do anything. Really? Wow. Well, yeah. You don't have to. You don't <laughs> have to do anything to get arrested. You're, you're you were just targeted. And sex workers don't have any credibility in a court of law. Right. Wow. That's Did incredible. you have to serve time? Oh no, God no. So no, they fine you, a, right? As a political activist, I had lots of friends, including the district attorney, who had no desire to prosecute. Right. But, um, <laughs> I bet he didn't. <laughs> that was, but that was back in like the early 2000s. So wow. things have changed. The, the climate is much more repressive thanks to all this sex trafficking thing, which I noticed you guys brought up that whole conversation about sex trafficking. And I, and I wondered if you... Uh, if I could weigh on that, weigh Please in do. on that a little bit. You can, but oh. when we come back for break, oh, we're taking a mini break. But yes, okay. let's talk about it when you come back. Okay, uh, tweet is- us at TA Sex Talk. We're talking with Veronica Monet. Wait, say her website. Mustang Sally. Guess you better slow your Mustang. Yes, 
welcome to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. We're talking with Veronica Monet, the author of Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a Pro. And, uh, and you can check her out at... Uh, theshamefreezone.com. Veronica uh, is here with us tonight. Hello, Veronica. And we're just picking up again on, on this idea of We are. Trafficking. I just wanted to share with everybody that she... So, Veronica, you were an escort real quick um, years, years ago. You're retired now, and you've gone into... Um, you're now a therapist and whatnot, and so the Shame Free Zone is more is lending to that work. I just wanted to clarify oh, for everybody yeah, that, that you're not I, a current... Please, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying trying to book an escort session just this week, and it's kind of annoying, but, or, you know, I suppose I consider it a compliment, too, but mostly it's annoying. Uh, no, I, I, stopped, I stopped escorting in 2004 and very deliberately and consciously transitioned into being a relationship coach, mm-hmm. which is what I've been doing for the last decade, and I love my business working with, um, with couples who are usually in some sort of crisis. Uh, a lot of people think as a certified sexologist and I'm probably helping them with their sex lives and in, in an indirect way I absolutely am but um, most of the focus is really on anger management which is something that I'm also certified in hmm. and I, I teach couples how to communicate and how to dial it down so that they don't end up injuring each other emotionally which is a good way to kill your sex life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. But you find a lot of a yeah. lot of tensions build up in relationships. Yeah, and, and, and sure. actually, I mean that whole thing. This is just a, that that transition is really important to me because um, there's not there's a lot of women who've worked as escorts or are working as escorts and have other uh, fabulous professions doing a variety of things. I, I recently wrote an article about a police officer who was. Um, an escort and a school teacher, Shannon Williams, she just unfortunately passed away a few weeks ago, but Shannon Williams was a school teacher who got arrested for prostitution mm-hmm. and um, became uh, quite a very active sex worker rights activist. And I had the, the privilege, actually, of helping to prepare her for her very first press conference because it was a big deal to people to find out that a school teacher was working as, a, as an escort. Right. It's not a big deal to me. I, I, I've met uh, women with advanced degrees who are therapists, um, you know, licensed therapists who are right. on this you know side. What, you know what's coming to my so, mind when you're talking about this is that it feels kind of like, a, like the modern-day witch hunt to me. Right. It's like something people need to do in secret and I don't know. Anyway, well, I just, you uh, know, it's, it's actually more complex than that in my opinion. I, we're really working with this whole uh, Madonna horde dichotomy that our culture has been saddled with for millennia, literally right. millions of well, them. Okay, maybe not millions of years, but thousands <laughs> of years. Um, <laughs> it feels like millions of years to me. Right. But, um, so that, um, that overlay exists, and it's kind of in everybody's DNA. We have um, a real strong reaction against a woman being completely sexually autonomous. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a way in which we feel that we have to protect women from their sexuality or the sexuality of men. And, uh, you know, of course, it really starts young with our daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the culture tends to sort women out. You know, when you were talking about wearing the little uh, vibrator necklace mm-hmm. and how you had, why were all these guys suddenly coming on to you? I mean, you're you're attractive before, you're attractive after, what, what, what 
difference does that necklace make? Right. And and I think that on a subconscious level, what that really does is that it it tells men subconsciously, if not consciously, oh, she's that kind of girl. Like wait wait like um, the kind of girl that would just give it up like an yeah, easy like girl I'm, or the self aware autonomous uh, what, whatever whatever that means to him uh, right yeah his own projection every, every onto man's it different it's uh, his own some projection some men might think that she's a you know kind of whorish or sluttish uh, other men would just think oh she's up for anything mm-hmm. or if she likes that maybe she likes well, she'll like my porn collection too or maybe <laughs> she'll do this position that I can't get my other girlfriend to do there, it it opens up this this idea that you are a different type of woman than maybe the one who raised them and the one who taught them in school. Perhaps more accepting in general. So that division is still there. It's still really operating in the culture. And uh, women who step outside the confines of quote-unquote sexually acceptable uh, behavior, which changes from year to year to year, but whatever that is, um, whatever it is, whatever the new frontier is, whether it's twerking or something else. Yeah, twerking. Um, <laughs> I got mesmerized watching that, those videos on YouTube, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Wow. What an art. Then, then all of a sudden, there's kind of like this this huge energetic shift in her life. And I think one of the reasons that women sometimes don't feel uh, fully... Um, you know, empowered to step into their sexual autonomy is because there's there's this backlash, this repercussion that'll that'll kind of smack them upside the head almost immediately if they choose to dress a certain way, act a certain way, or be really assertive about their own sexual For agenda. Sure. Well, and, and the and the cultural assumptions, like you're saying, like she might step out wanting to be confident in her sexuality, but maybe there's a projection from another, you know, from a man that she didn't expect or you know didn't want that kind of attention or. I don't know. Yeah, I, I you know, you know something. It's it's not not a pretty topic, but it is still very very much a factor in our culture that young girls uh, who are enter, entering puberty and starting to date are still getting uh, slut shamed, right. and some some of that slut shaming turns into just really uh, horrific bullying. A lot of it takes place in the social media, and I also recently blogged about this. The um, Quite a few girls have have committed suicide because right. of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember horrible things happening to friends in high school. I just wanted to note, like, what just this thing of the men, you know, the attention that came my way and observing it myself that I I didn't, I myself was not interested in any way. It was almost like, okay, I see that I've put this energy out there, but it's it doesn't it's not reciprocal. Kind of, it's like I'm interested. I still need to be courted in a way, or the things that that arouse me were not presented, even though the attention, you know, came my way because of the vibrator necklace or whatever. Sorry. So even even women who get into the sex industry sometimes will be kind of subconsciously impacted by the whole idea that well, if I'm if I'm escorting or I'm doing a webcam or I'm doing. Um, um, stripping or I'm doing uh, adult film, that somehow or another um, I've lost my right to say no to other things. Um, and and that's it's, it's really painful. And, you know, I know you wanted to find out something about how come I found escorting empowering. And, you know, some of the, the things that really made it empowering for me, for me was that I was 29 when I started. 
I had a college degree. Mm -hmm. I had worked in corporate settings for seven years. I'd been promoted repeatedly and um, was an office manager and a department manager and a marketing representative for a radio station. So I had a tremendous amount of confidence. I had my own little TV show that I did on cable. It wasn't a big deal, but still, as far as my confidence level, it was pretty well off the charts. And I was was also clean and sober. Um, I had gotten clean and sober in a 12-step program in 1985 and didn't start um, escorting until 1989. So I had a a very um, solid connection with a spiritual practice as well. All of those factors come in to basically create this this kind of, for me, a place where my feminism uh, said, why am I allowing people to control me around sexual shame? Why would I allow somebody to say to me, well, you can't get paid for sex because that would degrade you or cause you to lose value? And I felt so militantly opposed to that yeah. idea. Yeah, it makes me angry. That I really... <laughs> it really does. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, I'm, just, I'm not going to submit to that. I'm just not going to. And, right. of course, it didn't hurt that it was paid a lot, lot better than um, the jobs that I was working at Which the time. actually I feel can I, be I even kinda... more shaming because it's like, oh, well, then you're just really just doing it for the money. So shame, double shame on you. <laughs> it's like... Oh, God, yes, I know. Women are not allowed to uh, just want orgasms for the sake of orgasms and they're not allowed to just Gee, want you're vindicated. money for the sake of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I know all about this. <laughs> I'm all about the orgasm. <laughs> don't you want to be in love and don't you want to have children so I think wanna... first I, I want to get off and then I know <laughs> and that then I everything maybe will... have this man's babies <laughs> so I think yeah. it's really wonderful so I love that um Oh, crap, I totally lost my train of thought. Sorry, A, you had a thought. I, I had we, many thoughts, can I and say, then they all went away. Can I say, while you're trying to focus back on that, um, Veronica, you wanted to comment on sex trafficking, and we had taken a little break. I'd love for you to share your thought on that. Or com- when we- oh, absolutely. You know, so, okay, I told you, I, I have a feminist background. I actually uh, worked for a volunteer for a center against rape and domestic violence when I was a college student. I helped organize a kickback the night march. I mean, feminism is really a big part of my uh, politics. Um, but you'd have a hard time convincing some of the people that I've gotten to debate on the whole sex trafficking and uh, sex industry issue because a lot of them are a different type of feminist. They're usually of the um, persuasion that somehow or another sex, heterosexual sex is in itself really problematic for women and uh, almost all of it's potentially uh, perpetrating. I don't believe that. I think it's normal and natural for a woman to want to interact with a penis. And yeah. <laughs> Amen. Feels normal and natural for me. That you know, if if we consider an erect penis somehow or another uh, a perpetration against a woman's uh, safety, that's really a sad commentary on the gender relation. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a natural to me. It, it, trafficking, sex trafficking, to me is the equivalent. Of domestic violence in marriage. So I've, I have dealt with right, domestic yeah, violence yeah. Uh, survivors who don't want to leave the man who's perpetrating against them. It's heartbreaking, and there is a whole paradigm around that that has to be approached. Similarly, I think there are sex workers who are in abusive situations and can't leave or don't know how to leave because they are in what I would consider 
a domestic violence situation. And I, and I, if we could just start talking about that more in the terms of domestic violence, because quite frankly, sex trafficking, those, those figures are overinflated yes, and yeah. they are not, they're not substantiated by any meaningful research. However, how they're being applied are to the quote unquote pimps. Um, so, and, and oftentimes that boils down to a 15 year old boy who's got a 14 year old girlfriend and he's African American and they live in an impoverished community and they're trying to make ends meet. They might actually be cohabitating and he gets designated as a pimp and goes to prison. Right. Now, mm-hmm. you know, if he's US. actually 15, he may not go to prison, but they're, they're trying to stretch a lot of those things towards minors as well. And um, the way the trafficking laws are practiced, they often tend to be quite racist. Hmm, interesting. Um, so, That's very interesting. Yeah, they, I mean, they're not usually targeting high-end escorts. Not at all. Um, I mean, <laughs> if they wanted to, right, there would be a crackdown on that as well. Right, um, right. But, well, and it, beca- it becomes a way to um, to deport illegal immigrants. Right. Um, and, yeah, and, and if you are an illegal and you get caught in one of those sweeps, what are you going to do? You have two choices. You can turn on the pre- people that you were working for and say, yes, I was trafficked um, and they're pimps, in which case you would actually get money and resources and the ability to stay in the country. Or you can say, no, I voluntarily did this and this is what I want to do and um, you'll get deported. Right. right, yeah, right, that's yeah. very biased. There's no open dialogue about it. And, and of I course, re- this shines a lot no. on the economic imbalance. Yeah. Um, but go ahead, A. And I, would, I, I mean, I love how you uh, describe it as the sexual abuse. I think that's, uh, or the domestic violence of the sex industry. I think it, I, that totally sums it up for me. I wanted to touch on, like, we've heard a lot, as a society, we hear a lot about the negativity of the sex industry. And I, I feel like the stereotype is that, um, the women involved are um, are yes it's not it's they're forced into it either by even if it's their choice it's um, not their first choice and um, it's so it's by circumstance and that they're drugged up and you know having sex without condoms and like just putting themselves in really risky situations and you think of ghettos and like that kind of that the environment when you think of the sex industry I think typically. And I just, your experience was not that. And I'm curious or wondering if you could shed some light on how your experience was. Because to be quite honest, it sounds beautiful and lovely. And shows that there's a lot of um, love and uh, tenderness and care and respect and honor in the work that you did. And I, I want people to hear this side of things because I don't, we never hear it to be quite honest, and I don't think it's fair. And I'm wondering, do you feel like yours is an incredibly unique experience? Or I feel like there's a few girls I've known who have had this experience, so I'm wondering if it's perhaps way more common than we think. So I think, when, uh, well, first of all, I just want to backtrack a little bit and say, you know, that, that one night that I got arrested, um, basically for speaking out on television as a section for rights activist, when yeah. I got arrested. But, um, <laughs> when I was when I was sitting, I, I refused to bail myself out. I wasn't going to give them any of my money, and I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I was going I to thought, say also you know, the legal as system an activist, leverages I with money. Here and learn something about the, the, the women who work the streets, because I've never worked the streets. I have no idea what it's like. Me, yeah. And so I'm still speaking 
uh, as an outside observer here. But what I did observe, we, we actually had a cocaine dealer thrown in there with us, and there was probably about 20 of us in the tank. Wow. And, and it was very obvious that the cocaine dealer was high as a kite, and she was being very belligerent. But the rest of us women, the women who had just gotten picked up for street prostitution, they were not loaded. And, right. and I ought to know, because I'm in recovery. I can kind of spot that stuff. They, they were... They were I'm not just going to say they're clean and sober, but they certainly weren't drunk and they weren't high. Right. And um, so I kind of get tired of that stereotype, too. What we're really talking about are class differences, and um, and that usually falls along the lines of, of race, education, and age. And most of those women in the streets get in the business very young. They don't have an ability to get um, any other employment. And right. unfortunately, there is a culture of domestic violence, which is acquiesced to. But oh, not so much with the clients it. as with um, the people that they consider their family. Anyway, that's yeah, all of that. driven by poverty, my experience really. is completely different. I come from a place of being white and privileged and college educated, but and more than that, clean you, and sober. And you respected and, and yourself I going spent in. Most of that time married. I w- I got married about two years into escorting, and oh, wow. I was in escorting for fifteen years, and I was married for fifteen years. And your and was your husband aware of your line of work? Of course, I'm on television. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, and I didn't marry a I didn't marry a stupid man. Of course, he knew I was. He actually went on one of the television shows with me. I think that's we did. Well, you were on television show for escorting. Often for twenty years. We're you, only supposed to get fifteen years of fame. I was in front of the cameras for twenty years. You mean like as a representative and, and, and of the industry, trying. or? Trying to to change the paradigm around this, trying to say that women have a right to do this if they want to. Well, can I ask you? So, your husband very was okay with what you're doing. Obviously, did did things ever come up that bothered him that he didn't expect to bother him? You know, that you had to work on in your relationship, or was he? Well, actually, you know, he was pretty pretty good. I one time we ran into one of my clients at a public event, and um, didn't. He didn't didn't phase him at all. I mean, he you know he was really secure in the fact that I was deeply and madly in love with him. Mm, yeah, I think that's so, the most important. Part. Uh, we had we had a, a a really really just kind of a, a soulmate bond that um, really was impenetrable to who we had sex with. Right. I always thought it was really strange people place all this emphasis on their genitals. It's like doesn't your heart kick count for anything? Like, I know I feel the same way. What matters? So, Veronica, can you um, can you guide us through? I know this is probably like super simple for you, but can you can you guide us through real quick um, before we take a break? Kind of what a, what one of your sessions might feel like, just to show people that, or, or some As of the sentiments escort? you had between your clients and whatnot. Like, you know, what was one of the things that was really really important about defining how I chose to do escorting. And I did choose to do it. I didn't have to. Uh, so I had the luxury of choosing exactly how I wanted to do it. And I didn't have to do it any other way except how I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that really appealed to me because I didn't have a boss telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. But um, I had started learning about sacred prostitution, ancient sacred prostitution, and I loved what I was learning about that. It felt so much more empowered than my own personal sex life had been. Hmm. Um, and I started having a completely different relationship with my vulva. Instead of seeing it as some kind of a resource that could be exploited and, and used up, 
I started looking at this as a muscle, and I thought, well, if it's a muscle, then the more I use it, the better it's going to get. I love that. Um, <laughs> do fine. The more sex I'm having, the more easily and faster I can orgasm. Exactly. The more orgasms I can have, right? When it's dormant, oh, right. it's harder to get there. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I really turned, because I was in recovery, and still am, I'm coming up on 30 years of being in recovery, oh, my, my spiritual path is defined by being of service. So I really approached my sessions with clients with an attitude of how can I serve this person and mm. not just serve them with an orgasm, although I certainly made that something Happy. I was an expert at. <laughs> yeah. um, Read her book. <laughs> wanting to give them a transcendent spiritual experience with that orgasm to take them to a place they've never been. And um, there were a lot of things that I employed in order to get my clients to that place. But that was really important to me to create a heart connection and to take them to a spiritual high yeah. that um, they ha- was married to the sexual experience. Right. To have more of a connection. Yeah, I liked the heart connection. and that Connection-centered. Kind of I find usually linked to breathing as well. I don't know. There's a lot Absolutely. of stuff. But, right, yeah. Absolutely. Very, yeah. very much about working with chi and the chakras and a fire breath orgasm and kundalini. Yes, nice. absolutely. Yeah, but I love that your work was, you can't see, like you can you can have uh, connection-centered casual sex, really, with these, you know, people that you may just see one time and have a really beautiful and healthy experience. Um, we need to take a break real quick. And then when mm-hmm. we get back, I want to ask you about um, the men a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, sure. Okay, so we're talking with Veronica Monet, author of Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a you Pro. You can find her work at theshamefreezone.com. And you can tweet us at TA Sex Talk. Welcome to Pushing Boundaries with Tina. This is T. And I'm A. And we're pushing your boundaries on conventional thought. And tonight we're talking with Veronica Monet, author of Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a Pro, um, who is a former escort and now has the uh, website, or sorry, the business, theshamefreezone.com, where she does relationship coaching and therapy. Um, uh, Amazing woman, Veronica, you're here with us. (laughs) I am, and you wanted to know about the men, and that's actually kind of a nice segue into what I do now. When I, when I was working with um, uh, male clients as an escort, and, and not all of them were male, but most of them, I, I saw some couples and a few uh, lesbians, mm-hmm. um, and that was great. I uh, would have loved to have seen more women, but, um, you know, you were discussing earlier that 
tends to be that women don't uh, have the disposable income to pay for sex. Mm. And um, and then and a lot of them just also, don't feel empowered to make a choice like that. I was going to say don't right. feel so, entitled. Entitled, yeah. yeah. Or, to yeah. own their sexuality like that or explore. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the women who did come to see me uh, really had a good time. And, and uh, that made me very happy. <laughs> so, um, That's cool. The, um, the, by and large, the men that I resonated with, the ones that I would agree to see, um, were people who had some substance to them. One of, one of my screening techniques was just to see, could we share the same sense of humor? Mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, in a 15-year career, you got to know that when I started out, I saw some people I didn't like because I had to kind of figure out who's who. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, had, I had no clue how to even use my intuition. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the biggest gifts, really, for me about escorting was to learn how to align with my intuition, which in some ways this culture kind of considers more of a feminine art, but I certainly think men have access to it. Of course. Right. I mean, in some ways I, it's trusting I, your gut I, and I just, in your meeting experience, your yeah. encounter with that person energetically, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And just, so the intuition starts over the phone. Like, you know, how, how, how are we relating? How are we connecting? Does this feel right? It becomes really important when you're trying to safeguard your safety. Right. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, and, I've connected with people where, you know, something as benign as buying flowers on the phone. We bonded so well just from our voices. I got a discount by the end, <laughs> you know, and felt like yeah. a best friend. And then there's people that, yeah, you inherently have this friction with. You're so right. I mean, in a banal, you know, in any sort of encounter, there's so many things you can read. Well, now that now that people are doing online dating, it's really not such a stretch. Back when I first started doing this, there wasn't even an internet, and then I was one of the very first escorts to be on the internet. Ooh. I started off with something called a BBS. People could go in there and find some of my adult videos and pictures, wow. and uh, and then I then I had one of the very first websites, and it was you know I and then believe it or not, before they had the word blog. I started putting my political uh, writings up on my website, and I, I had quite a few escorts tell me, well, you can't do that because you're, you're, like, being argumentative and talking about feminism, and they're not going to want to come see you. Hmm. And, <laughs> Interesting. And, and, boy, did they want to come see me. I bet. So, that, that is true. I mean, the, that's even in line with just me speaking about our podcast and just the actual enthusiasm around it, even from men, not necessarily making sexual overtures, but curiosity. Yeah. Oh, I, this is, you asked about the men. What I found about the men who came to see me, I'm not saying all men are like this, but the men who came to see me is that they, they valued intelligence. They really wanted to have intelligent conversation. They want a heart connection. Um, they were looking for something that felt... Uh, really real, not something fake or mechanical. And oftentimes, because of how I was gearing my sessions, wanting to take people deep emotionally and spiritually, uh, there were a lot of tears. So I I held a lot of men while they cried um, because the orgasm, you know, you were talking about your sexological body worker Mm -hmm. session, how you were an orgasmic crying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bawling, but like way more than any normal sex. (laughs) Totally. That was was a normal day uh, with a client for me. That's that's where I wanted to take them. I wanted to take them to a place where their orgasm led to the tears, led led to the relief. And, um, And oftentimes, a lot of 
um, I call it confession almost. A lot of my clients told me things they were never going to tell anybody else on this planet. And um, it was just a place that I took really kind of a sacred calling. Um, um, And I, I became actually much more enamored with the male species right. from my years of escorting than I was when I started. Yeah. You know, I have to share an experience. I, uh, I, I interviewed men for a product I was working on who saw escorts. And one thing that was really fascinating to me was when I was asking them why, uh, what were they looking for? Like what, you know, there's lots of questions, but, you um, but that was one of them. And, um, they, in the end, it was really boiling down to what you're saying. Like they wanted a connection. It was never all about the sex. If it was just if like they were looking for particular qualities, almost like a girlfriend kind of experience, like just real human connection, something genuine and the body stuff and all the things that you think would be super important. They're like, well, it's secondary. If I don't have this first, then I'm not really interested. And it seemed like what they were really looking for was acceptance maybe or freedom, or uh, something like that. Well, and- certainly, certainly one of the things that I'm really good at because I'm bisexual and I've I've kind of got a brain that's both masculine and feminine. So I, to be, I, it's not hard for me to interact with male culture in a way that feels um, non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfortunate, but a lot of times. Um, um, as women, we can kind of shame men when they step into that male culture. This is what I was so fascinated um, by. Yeah, kind that, of equally boxed in. Well, in a weird way. and that they couldn't find uh, that they couldn't find this woman, or that their wife was not that woman. And that's why I was like, wow. Well, why are they having? Why do they have such a hard time finding this woman in the normal, quote unquote, civilian world? Like, why do they feel like they have to? Can they? They feel like they can only find that in the sex industry. I would. I understand your question, and I'm I'm aligned with it up to a point, Mm -hmm. um, in that I want to help women to free these parts of themselves. I agree. They they have such poor body image, and and they're not um, able to really dive deep into their sexuality in a way that's fully empowered. But I also want to say that um, for all of the argumentativeness and... um, independence uh, and intelligence that my clients valued a great deal in their sessions with me, I saw a reluctance to have a woman as a wife who would embody really? those characteristics. So we're kind of back to that Hormadonna split well, where like, it becomes um, I, a power struggle at home. And I, I'm not totally buying into... The, the pity party there because I think uh-huh. that these men make their choices and choose partners that they're going to feel that they have a little more control over. Yeah, it feels very and safe. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a safe home. And when they pay me, when they paid me, I'm not when they pay me now because I don't do it, I haven't done it for 10 years, but when they, when they did pay me, um, that was kind of them feeling uh, like they were in charge and that gave them permission to give up control. To surrender. Yeah. Wow. So that's, hmm. that's, we're still kind of back to this whole gender thing. And I think this is one of the reasons I really wanted to transition out of escorting and into relationship coaching because I was just so fascinated with this gender dynamic 
and really wanting to work both sides of it, not just with the men, but also with their women. Right. And I'm yeah, really, really balance. happy to say that I've had um, former clients seek me out to work with them and their wives. And, that's um, amazing. And I, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's what's needed. It, 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 exactly. It is, it is amazing. That was, that was a very um, tenuous first meeting. Trust me. I can, well, I can imagine. Wait, did the wife know that you were the escort? The pre- oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was that him, like? To be honest. Yeah. What, what was her response to you? Was she, like, really just well, I, shy? I guess just trepid. Yeah, and tre- sorry, like having trepid, I, trepidation. Yeah. I always, always, always approach the wife with the utmost respect, um, and I did in this case, and she was uh, at first a little bit um, suspicious, I think, and kind of defended, and in the end, she said, nope, I think you're the perfect person to work with my husband, so please do. Wow, amazing. To help him communicate with her better yeah. and then kind of find more value. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. not in a sex worker way. That was as a relationship, as a, like, a more therapy, close oh, on no, therapy. Oh, no, it was just, just coaching. Right. Okay. Coaching. So can yeah. I ask you? So on I, certainly, certainly when I was escorting, when I was escorting, I also got those kind of love letters from wives. I, I remember one in particular that said, oh, my God, I just got back in town. I heard that you spent the night with my husband. Thank you so much. We just had a fabulous lovemaking, and I owe it all to you. Wow, that's wow. amazing. <laughs> I love that. See, that things. makes my heart, like, sore. When yeah, I but you like learn that. things, and the way that energy transfers as well, when you've excited someone's libido, it can reignite that in the, in the other relationship. Yeah, but I think also that like yeah. the like having different and you know I I I'm torn about this. We've talked about this on many shows. So I'm torn between you know having multiple partners and whatever. But I do feel like people come into our lives and you came into his life and you bring something right and you, maybe you stir some stuff up in him or you know or show him something that he may not be able that may not be reflected from his wife. Like we're all mirrors and we all mirror different things. So I think. Well, my fra- my favorite sessions were really working with um, with couples. Yeah. When when a couple would ask me to come in and do a three way with them, um, I loved that because my my focus was how am I going to get them so um, excited about each other that by the time I walk out of the room, they won't even notice that I've left. Wow. <laughs> what fun. a great intention. Yeah. You know, I, while we're, I, I love, um, I, you know, my life as, as a high-end escort was glamorous, and there's just no two ways about it. Um, <laughs> and you can read about it in the book. Time, <laughs> yeah. At the same time, there were uh, some, some, some hard facts of life that I had to deal with. I actually... Uh, ran into a serial rapist who was making appointments with um, prostitutes, and his his modus operandi was basically that he had an apartment where everything um, was locked; you couldn't get out without a key. Oh God! Wow, and, <laughs> and he he would insist that you take a phony check. So, so although wow. I wanted to just think of that as. Um, a business deal gone awry, I realized a few months later that, in fact, it was a rape and I had to treat it as one. 
And um, and we actually worked, I and my colleagues with the Sex Work Outreach Project uh, worked with Oakland PD for quite some time to get them to take the deposition without uh, in initiating an arrest. Yeah. And, and this is one of the very real things that happens for escorts is that they don't have much recourse to the law. Right. And, and the other thing that I want to stress is that my career took place before these anti-trafficking laws took effect, and they are so oppressive now that I really would caution anybody to think about stepping into the profession at this point uh, without fully examining the laws in their state, because you could wind up in prison, losing everything you own, wow. or uh, being a sex offender for the rest of your life. Wow! And none of those, none of those things applied to to, to me. To when you. I was yeah, doing it. or many so. women now who are working. So yeah, that's yes, yeah, wow. yeah. And I, I, I think that's just it's horrible. And I really think the world needs sexual services. I think it doesn't matter how much sex people are having, we're always going to need sex professionals. Well, sex to, education. Just, just, just like no matter how much we talk, we're always going to need therapists. Right. I, I agree. I think that's beautiful. Veronica, I wanted to touch on something. Um, the wives, real quickly. I, I feel like, or, I feel like the wives, there's a lot of fear and a lot of shaming that the wives do consciously or unconsciously um, to, I guess, prostitutes or anyone in the sex industry. And what really bothers me is it's, to me, it's a sisterly bond that's torn. And I don't like it. it, it and I, I don't think it's necessary. So I just, I think about the wives in this situation and what you, you know, if they're listening, what you could say to them that might help them understand a little bit more like your role in their husband's lives or, or that maybe, I don't know, do their husbands, are they totally in love with their wives? Typically Um, they don't have, they have no intention of leaving them. They love their family. Like, I don't know. Is there anything like that that you could share? There's there's so many different kinds of men who see prostitutes for so many different kinds of reasons. Um, So to generalize, like, that really wouldn't be fair. Yeah. I would, however, invite this, um, which is to say that as a wife um, who was married for 15 years to my husband, um, there was a, a time when he went out to see a prostitute um, as an act of spite. Mm. Now, uh, we we had an arrangement in our marriage where he could go see a prostitute if he wanted to, and sometimes I'd even like pay for it, you know, it's kind of like happy Father's Day, honey. But in, in this particular instance, that was not the dynamic. He was doing it to try to uh, hurt me. Mm. And you might wonder how that could hurt me. Well, it hurt me because that's what he wanted to do. Right. And, and again, I'm so much more interested in what people are doing with their hearts and their intentions than I am what the, they're doing with their genitals. And I, I wish that that is where we'd shift the focus. I certainly was not angry at the prostitute. I mean, she's right. just making a living and doing a job. Why would I be angry at her? Right. Um, I see it as a worthwhile service, and I think that some of the people who uh, avail themselves of those services are jerks, complete jerks, doing stupid, horrible, painful, uh, hurtful things. Hmm. So we have to sort that out. There's good 
motives and there's bad motives. There's right action and there's wrong action. There's things that are loving and constructive and beautiful, and there's things that are hurtful and painful and destructive. And they're not about what people are doing with their genitals, and it's not about what people are paying for. Um, It's not even about the laws that are being violated. Right. It's It's very much about what lives in the hearts of people and why they're doing something. So I, I'm hoping that my personal example of he goes to see a prostitute under one set of circumstances, I feel very happy and connected to him. He goes to see a prostitute under a different set of circumstances, I feel alienated and hurt. Yeah, and I think it's beautiful um, that you disconnect it from the genitals because I feel like the stereotype is, well, my husband's going to see another woman, period. He's a pig. And I just, I guess, yeah. I feel like, a, you know, hey, let's have a dialogue about this, ladies, because it creates well, a lot well, of hate between us, and it's not necessary. You know what? In, in fairness, I want to be completely fair to, to women, okay? And, and, and to myself as a woman. One of the reasons that, that when, before I ever became an escort um, in 1989, um, I had a boyfriend in 1978 who told me about going to the Mustang Ranch in um, Reno, Nevada, or it's outside of Reno, but it's close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was infuriated, and it wasn't because he'd seen a prostitute so much as it was that that wasn't available to me. Oh. So I think as long as we've got a culture where women don't have this as a right that they can take to themselves, right? there's there's going to continue to be some animosity because it's like, well, I who agree you totally. you are? Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because no, I've, I've felt that animosity excited. myself. And But I've always felt for me that it's more like I've been jealous of the women that are there because, like, they get to exist in their sexuality in a way that I'm not allowed to. Okay, and for something. me, right. T, I feel it's actually the op- – which is I'm going, well – you get to go get that done. Well, who? Where do I turn for this? Right, the choice is not there. I get very prickly about the the equality. I'm glad you brought that up, right. Monica. That's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like he's saying that his sexual needs are more important than hers. Yeah. Right, right. So it's you know and, invite and, yeah and he does know, it uh, offer, uh, offer the service uh, to her. And I, it's not every man is saying that, by the way, because some men are going to their wives and girlfriends for sex and being turned away. Mm, true. Um, but but there's a certain percentage of men who feel entitled to that, uh, and I think, and that, I think comes it's that sense of entitlement that is just infuriating. Mm, yeah, and I think yeah. the imbalance of there's an assumption that men need that satisfaction more, and there's this, and just what you were, I, I don't remember who said it, but but um, oh the the friend who you know or or the hairstylist yes whose you know boyfriend wouldn't let her do it. It's right. like this idea of well we're bonded now, so I own this right here, and if someone else were to enter it. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, that it's that that it's now destroyed. The bond is destroyed. Right, that the bond relies in the genitals, yeah. not in the heart. Right, and it's and so how limiting, right. um, how constricting it's in, in a female sexuality. Do we have Do we have time to just talk about yeah, um, yeah, pornography yeah. for a couple yes, minutes? Yes, let's go for it. Okay, because I I also want to say along the same lines since you brought up pornography a few a little earlier in the um, program, and. Um, what I want to preface is that I have appeared in uh, several adult films, and I've actually produced a, a adult, an adult film. So um, I'm not prejudiced against graphic, videoed images of people engaging in sexual behavior. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. However, 
there's different kinds of images out there. And so just like with marriages and the sex industry, there's the positive and there's, there's the negative, like there is in all things in life. Mm-hmm. I think that um, pornography right now is really dominated by a negative paradigm, and it, I find it disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, people who are actually into each other um, and, and truly around, uh, we've got people who are faking it, pretending, mm-hmm. um, and, and doing things that sometimes are absolutely uh, damaging to the physiology of the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and then that's being promoted as a normal exactly. sexuality. And unfortunately, most children, by the time they reach age 11, have been exposed to online pornography. So that's I their was. sex education. I was too. Yeah, exactly. And what now that I have been coaching people as a relationship coach for a decade, I have encountered so many um, problems around the addiction to online pornography. Um, and when I talk about addiction, I'm really talking about addiction. I'm talking about a client who lost three jobs because she couldn't stop masturbating at work. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I'm not talking about somebody who you know, because they're, somebody is morally outraged that they're looking at online porn. I viewed some last night. <laughs> yeah. But, but it disturbs me that we've got this, uh, what I call pornified sexuality at this point. Yes. And, I, and, I, and I also don't even really like using that word. But it, what's out there right now has just become so oppressive to women. Um, when they're getting the labiaplasty. I just I just watched a program last night about labiaplasty, and I was just so disturbed because right. there's, there's so much beautiful diversity in women's vulvas, and to think that women are all trying to make these cookie-cutter porn Vaginas. vulvas just... Uh, wow, just I know. I call this... In. Yeah, I call this commercial sex, this whole thing. It's like Right, it's lost the... Sex. There is the pleasure of entertainment. Well, this was on our show about communists, do communists have better sex? And it was about East Berlin versus West Berlin and, and their exposure to it. And they... It was funny because the East Berliners who hadn't been exposed to porn until the wall came down, or... or well, that's not true. There were some underground videos, but they really understood the nuance of entertainment versus real connection. That's true. Um, and They were able to make that distinction and the Westerners were not. Right. right. The Westerners oh, had, yeah, the Westerners wow. had accepted that, that as sexuality. Yeah. And the Easterners were They're like, ah, oh, no, that's funny and it's entertaining, mm-hmm. but, you know, yeah. that's not really sex. We love so, it. It's fun. That's it's, not true connection with right. uh, my partner as a woman or a man. Yes. Um, yes. And, it's, and so, yeah, yeah. the pleasures it, of watching so, graphic and, and images. And again, we've got uh, an industry, a mainstream pornography industry that is dominated by... Um, a very, uh, what I would consider a very cynical male paradigm. And unfortunately, it's really um, shaping the culture at large. Right. But what my, my solution would not be less porn. My solution would be more porn produced by women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we get that diversity out there so that uh, the People female sexuality begins to, to really become um, a a prominent part of our sexual culture. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's a smart solution, and it makes me sad that women are we uh, young women, you know, because I'm in that culture too. I mean, you, where you grow up and you learn sex through porn, and and I struggle with that even now, letting go of these images in my head or whatever of what I think I'm supposed to do, and it makes me sad that young women growing up, like 
watch this stuff and accept it as, oh, right, this is the way I'm supposed to be in bed and with men, and it's just sad. So I agree with you. Let's yeah. go into the porn business, ladies, and make I know. some videos. Well, and we've talked about Tristan Taramino <laughs> is really bringing voice to a lot of that's true, yeah. porn, porn stars. But yeah, now I'm all jazz. I've got all these ideas. I want to make my own. <laughs> I want to say, this is a bit of an aside, but I just recently had an experience with a man where it was, he was almost like a blank slate. Like he seems to have really had not a lot of sexual experience. And I had to step up and really assert what I needed and wanted and it was such an empowering moment because I, it was rare. I had been with so many men that taught me what I wanted. and Taught and you or told you? Taught. Some tell, but I would say taught. But I, but still through their decisions, right? They were their, taking action. Like, was it through a porn lens, do you think? Like Americanized commercial It could be. I found that if it was, I would usually stop it. Like I mean, right. or if it was in a porn lens, it was something that I had to enjoy right. okay. in some way. Um but still, having this blank slate as a man, which had been so rare for me, I mean, this has right. never happened, actually, I would say. It was the first time, it was the first time that I actually had to do everything, if you will. And, by, and not in a bad way. Like, I had to find the strength to say what I wanted. You and, got to. <laughs> yeah, I got to. And for the, first, for the first time, it was silence on the other end. Yeah. Like, always, the men always knew what the actions were going to be or what they wanted or, or what, what I wanted even like that, you know, they would say, okay, let me do this to you. And, and I'd go, yeah, that does feel good. Yeah. Right. But never having to actually put the words together for myself. Like, completely dry. So that brings up a really important point. So I told you I was watching a film last night um, uh, about labia plastic. The title of it actually was um, Sexy Baby. And one of the people featured in it was a 12-year-old girl, and they followed her until she turned 14. But she starts dressing in a very provocative way, and her father is having a real big problem with it, saying that she's dressing like a whore. Hmm. And, and um, the daughter came back and said, well, maybe what you should concern yourself with is the fact that I'm not acting like a whore. Hmm. And I thought to myself... If that were my daughter, I would hope she was acting like a whore. And let me explain that before your listeners get completely alienated. <laughs> what I mean by that is that sex workers, as I know them, um, women who have at least entered the profession out of choice and don't have a drug habit and don't have an abusive pimp, and there's a lot of them. They're probably constituted about 80% of um, escorts. Those women are very empowered yes. to say no, to choose what they will and will not do. And I see so many um, women who don't have that power. And when somebody asked me, what is it that I got out of my 14-year, 15-year career as an escort? It is that empowerment to be in charge, right. to be the person who initiates to be the person who decides what will or won't happen, to be the person who knows what she does like and what she doesn't like, uh, and, be, and to be the person who also knows how to, um, to bring pleasure to my partner so that I'm not kind of showing up like, hey, show me your stuff, where the guy's the performer and I'm receptive. Right. But mm -hmm. rather that at the very least that we've got this beautiful dynamic dance going on and I'm a full participant in it and he's not leading. Right. We're, we're taking turns leading. Right. Yeah. And, and I... Go ahead. Well, so, yeah. So I was terrified for this young girl because she is dressing in a way that's going to bring in a lot of attention, but I don't know that she knows how to handle it. One of the things that I learned as an escort was how to negotiate and exactly. assert 
stark naked. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very powerful. You know, and, and I and what, the thing what a total stranger. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you can speak there, you can speak anywhere. That <laughs> takes an incredible amount of power. And I think that in order, I agree with you, Veronica, that would be beautiful if, yeah, yeah, no, she needs to act like a whore. The thing that needs to shift is our, our definition of a whore. I mean, you, I mean like our understanding, our understanding. <laughs> which, which by, the, by the way, there's an acronym for whore, which um, Robin Few and myself uh, and Stacy Swim. In Montreal in 2005, we coined an acronym for the word whore. We honor ourselves with respect and empowerment. I love wow, that. I'm so looking good. at It's so good. And you ha- <laughs> I want to end on a quote here from your book, which is the last page. Um, you say, uh, the important thing to remember is that you are a sexual being with every right to respect and dignity as a sexual being. And you have an acronym for SLUTS. And it's sexual, liberated, unique, talented sisters. And I love that. Way to redefine it. I love Veronica, thank you so much for talking with us. I love how you've, you embody redefining female sexuality and this whole industry. And I can't thank you enough for your work. Thank you and so much. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for being with us. Um, you can find Veronica's work at theshamefreezone.com. You can also find her book anywhere. It's uh, Veronica Monet's Sex Secrets of Escorts, Tips from a Pro. You're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And you can tweet us at TA Sex Talk. And yeah, Pushing Boundaries on Conventional Thought. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Veronica. We'll talk to everybody later. Good night. Good night. <laughs>